This is Still Get Chills, a new podcast about the sports moments that inspired us to be athletes. I'm your host, Carolyn Glandorf, a former D1 rower and a current collegiate rowing coach. I started this podcast to talk to some of the people I love about sports moments that changed their lives. On this episode, I'm sitting down with one of my best friends and cousin, Julia Fries, who watched the 1999 World Cup with me and shared in my obsession. Julia is a former runner who was an All-American in high school and set a 400 record at Wesleyan. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Hi, this is Still Get Chills with your host, Carolyn Glandorf. I am here with one of my best friends and your cousin, Julia Fries. Uh, and we're here to talk about the 1999 Women's World Cup. <laughs> okay, so obviously we were obsessed as young. Not unhealthy because there was nothing bad about being that obsessed, but we knew them very well. Yes, I would say more than the average more than our average peer, however you want to define that. Oh, certainly. <laughs> certainly. More than, the, more than the average female soccer player our age. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and say. <laughs> we were in it to win it. We were in it to we win were. it. Okay. We- so I certainly knew. I feel like as children, we like somewhat competed to say every single player name and number. Yeah. And you were definitely always a little better than me. I think I took a lot of time to memorize it and I also had these cards like almost like trading cards but they were U.S. women's soccer cards and they had each each player had a card and had their number and then it also had like their position favorite foods their horoscope like just whatever random thing and I I I memorized every single one and took great pride in it so like I (laughs) I know I know I Kate Sobrero's favorite food. <laughs> I know. It. I was like confirmed. <laughs> I got it down. I got it down. Okay. So we said we're going to go through name and numbers. All right. Cause I know, I know we have some, I'm pretty sure I have the starters, but I do not have most of like the bench members. Sadly. Okay. And I have to say that I easily could have done some googling before this to review it and I did not so this is pulling straight from my nine-year-old memory so it's just this is gonna be in there's gonna be inaccuracy right but I would say I also you have a very specific brain so I'm (laughs) sure every single person has their color because you have synesthesia so you're probably like what color is Mia Hamm okay so well, Mia Ham. I mean, her number is number nine. Yeah. And so the number nine is a dark green. That's a good color for her. She, she seems like a green. And it works. It works. It's very sturdy. Um, but her name is more yellow because thought- M and H are yellow. Yeah. So we have some, a combination of vibes. I, I think that suits her well. Those are her colors. It does. And I would also like to say this was this was something you told me but today is her birthday right yes it is I was like because so much of my like YouTube and like search history is like the women's world cup so I was like oh is this just randomly coming up because of all my searches and then I was like Mia Hamm's birthday I was like what this what? I could Wait. not think of a better time to be recording this for the first time than on her birthday honestly it was like stars aligning like I was like okay this has to be done Mia Hamm is telling me to do it <laughs> 
Oh, she directly told you. Yeah. Yes. Perfect. Happy birthday, Mia Ham. Happy birthday, Mia. <laughs> All right. So I know we both know who number one is. Of course. Good Brianna. old. Yes. And it's actually pronounced Brianna. And I love that. I love her. I love her so much. Yeah. Ab- absolute number one in my heart, for sure. Icon. Icon. Um. <laughs> no, I'm dead serious. She's like, she was my favorite and remains my favorite. Like, no question. So, well, so this is where we'll get into some of the kids stuff. Cause uh, we had like, I had two posters that had like the starters in it and I cut and they're all in like their running position. So I cut them all out <laughs> and I lined them up on my bed <laughs> and I would move them from who was my favorite, like any given night. Well, I remember you loved because number 12 was Cindy Parlo. Oh, yes, she was. Number. Yep. Number so 12. She was a top contender for you. For she a, was a always in the top two. It was like usually Brianna Scurry, Julie Foudy, and Brandy Chest uh, and um, Cindy Parlo were like my my jams. I was like Brianna Scurry, and then I liked to pick like random ones. Like I remember who was it like? Well, Tiffany Milbert was another good one. Oh, um, I forgot Tiffany Milbert. Yeah. And then who was that girl? Oh, Tisha Venturini, just because I think I just liked her haircut. I don't know. I, I had like weird reasons. Oh, for- did she have a high whippy? No, she had like a very short, she was just kind of sleek. It wasn't so much about the way she played, just her whole vibe. I, I don't know. I, I had different reasons for like, we love a good vibe. We yeah. love a good vibe. <laughs> Uh, number four. Do you remember? Carla Overbeck. Yeah. Number Who? five, I think might have no either five or fifteen was Tisha Venturini, but I can't remember which one. Fifteen was Tisha Venturini. Okay. Number, number five, five uh, was Tiffany Roberts. Yep. Number six, oh, yeah. we obviously know. Oh yeah! Wait, 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 wait! Brandy, right? Yeah, Brandy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Number nine, Avi Mia. Number ten. Like the oh, is it Michelle Akers? Yeah, yeah, great lady. Number eleven, remarkable woman. I mean, this our this is my main chick, Julie Foudy. Her main chick. Oh, duh. Okay. And yeah. because I always remember why her number was that because she said when she was picking numbers, she didn't get number one, and she always wanted to be number one, and so she decided um, that eleven okay. was two one. So she's like, I'm gonna. I'll be one twice. I like it. <laughs> Creative. Yeah. So as we said, number 12, Cindy Parlo. Cindy Parlo. 13, 13. Christine Lilly. Yeah. Remember that. Oh, yeah. 14. She always. 14, 14 was Joy Foxen. Oh, right. Joy. 15, Tisha. Yep. 16, Tiffany Milbrit. I wanted to pop in and just say that we didn't do this perfectly. We did miss a few players uh, as we were doing it. So it took a little bit longer than expected. So I do want to just say we did not perfectly speak on Lori Fair, who was number two, Christy Pierce, who's number three, Tiffany Roberts, number five, Sarah Whalen, number seven, Shannon McMillan, number eight, Danielle Fotopoulos, number 17, Saskia Weber, number 18, Tracy Ducar, number 19, and Kate Sobrero, who's number 20. So we just needed to edit the long process that it took us to remember everyone's name and number, but we obviously love them just the same. All right. So I'm going to set the beautiful scene for you way back in like 1987. Okay. We're going, we're going way back. All right. <laughs> and uh, Anson Durrance, who was the UNC coach, uh, was the 
national team coach as well. The team had existed for like two years. Like they barely existed in 1987. Mm -hmm. And so he decides he wants to go for young players. So he's like scouring America to find young talent and finds Mm -hmm. Mia Hamm, Christine Lilly, Brandy Chastain, Joy Fawcett, like all these young kids. Mia Hamm is 15. Christine Lilly, Julie Foudy, and Brandy Chastain are 16 when they join this team. So freaking babies. (laughs) Yeah. Freaking babies. That's impressive that, you know, they come into this that young. And I think states how they build the team and why it's the culture it is and the relationship. They were, they truly were the original. And they grew up together. And they grew up on it. Yeah. Like imagine like meeting 16 year old and just spending the next like 17 years playing together. Oh That's my crazy. God. So cool. So then the first World Cup, 1991 World Cup, is happening in China. Except FIFA, like, doesn't even call it the FIFA Women's World Cup. They call it the first FIFA World Championship for women's football for M&M's Cup. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. They were like, we don't trust it enough to like fully just be the FIFA Women's World Cup. We're gonna like You're put like, this let's weird... put a candy on it and be the, have that be the focus. Sponsorship, like right in there. First game, like it does pretty well in China in terms of like viewership and all that, but not the night, like nothing in comparison to what they did in '99. Um, Michelle Akers though crushes it, gets the um, you know Golden Globe award of like it's not the Golden Globe, but like the Golden <laughs> Shoe or Granny. whatever. Um, cause she gets 10 goals wow. in, in the FIFA world cup, which is amazing. And they also end up winning the first world cup, but wow. like, nobody cared. They have to take a 56 hour trek back home. That's how much they didn't get paid to do this. Wow. To get, like imagine if they're like LeBron James, get home from China in 56 hours. Like, like no were they on a boat like how does that even <laughs> work <laughs> I think they took like 18 flight jumps like it was just like oh we're just gonna slowly we're just gonna do a complete world tour we're gonna we're gonna go the wrong way <laughs> yeah we're, we're going through Antarctica and then around yeah. deal with it <laughs> deal with it <laughs> and so they like finally land like in the America and there's like three people there being like, yay. And me, oh was like, one God. was our bus and one driver. one of them was like an M&M representative wearing an M&M. Yeah, they're like, here is your one M&M package. Congrats. Have a good day. <laughs> you only get the blue ones. <laughs> like, so no one knew. And even like the sponsor of the event. So probably M&M had to put in the newspaper that they won. Like the news didn't cover it. It was just like, oh, this happened. Oh my God. That's wild. Yeah. So in the interim between the 95 next world cup, which is in Sweden, Brandy Chastain gets cut from the team. Like the coach <gasps> doesn't think she's fit enough. She doesn't think he doesn't think he cares oh, you enough. Just wait, honey. Oh yeah. So, oh, you just wait. <laughs> like I'm going to prove you wrong. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> um so she actually goes to japan and plays in japan and Whoa. everyone was like you're never gonna come back like and be anything and she was like bitch watch 
that i did watch. not know that's Me. really cool yeah <laughs> uh, well i just you're just like what like brandy chastain you're such an icon and you weren't there yeah pretty inspiring story there oh and i forgot to mention in the first world cup they didn't even play a full 90 minutes of soccer they played 80 minutes why because they're like women you know your uterus might oh that extra 10 minutes their uterus couldn't handle the extra 10 minutes oh. it's gonna fall out we oh, all know I this mean, you run yeah, a marathon of course, of course. it's gonna fall out you know <laughs> you row too hard it's gonna fall out just of course so like they didn't play a full game which is crazy was that just <laughs> specifically to undermine them like that that's the only reason i could think of that they would do that I mean, just to be like, they also called it the M and M World Cup. So yeah, like, that too. I guess there were probably a few things going on. <laughs> oh, it makes me so angry. <sighs> um, so they play the second World Cup in Sweden, but it's like not very well attended. Like they have forty five hundred people each game, so tiny, okay. tiny. Yeah, and they lose to Norway in the semifinals, and they're mm -hmm. heartbroken. And Norway celebrates in a way. That makes them real angry. <laughs> Why? How did they celebrate? They like did like a train walk, like on uh, their knees, oh, like together, oh. and whew, they were real pissed. Just wait. I'm Anger. Brandy Chastain in Japan right now. I'm just waiting, waiting <laughs> for my moment. <laughs> You're just like slowly, I'm coming for you. Yeah. <laughs> so then the 1996 World uh, Olympics are happening in. Atlanta. This is the first Olympics with soccer, female soccer in it. Wow. Which is like 1996, really? Yeah. Wait this long. Prior to this, right after the 95 World Cup, Julie Foudy calls Billie Jean King. Is like, we're not making any money. <laughs> we need help. And Billie Jean King's like, the only thing you can do is strike. So they decide that they're going to not play the Olympics, if they don't get in any way, some equality in pay, obviously it's not yeah. equal in any way, shape or form, but they went on strike. So guess how much they had been making. Oh my God. <laughs> I have no, I have, I don't even know where to begin with that. They made a thousand dollars a month. Oh my God. So they made 12,000 a year. Were they expected to be like full-time players, like practicing every day? And I mean, I think some of them had like extra that. jobs, but like to be a professional athlete, right. like, you can't function on that. So one of the reasons they striked was they would only get a bonus if they won gold. So I don't know how much their salary changed, but um, they managed to get, if they won gold, they get $20,000 and they'd also get some money for getting silver. In the nine for nine um, ESPN uh, 30 for 30 that they do about title nine, uh, they're they sitting around. They're just like, remember when our per diem went from $10 to 20? And then remember that day when it went from 20 to $30? And you're just like, here are, you know, the icons for us that are just like, remember? Yeah, that's when they threw us pennies. <laughs> that's absolutely wild. And being younger, like being nine years old, as I'm, as I'm sure I was like, probably hearing about it and reading about it, but didn't understand like the full extent of it. Like that's wild. 
Yeah. And I mean, I don't think it was very well published how like not yeah. paid they were. Yeah. They were like all over the media. Maybe I'm skipping forward in time, but right. they were like all over the media yet not being well, paid. We I will mean, learn. So um, we will <laughs> continue. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> So they strike. So they have to bring in like the B and the C team. So 11 of them strike kind of like the core chunk. That mm-hmm. So in the B and the C team, guess who is a part of that B and a C team? Brandy. Yeah. Woo! So Brandy, <laughs> She's back. you know, gets to get pulled in because they're striking and the coach is like, Hey, she's looking great. So she oh, nice. makes it on the 96 Olympic team. Um, and they, go on to win they that like nbc doesn't show it they, <laughs> they didn't show the whole the, at all they didn't show it live they oh showed like clips God. of it are you kidding me no in 1996 they did not show the first world soccer game so it was just like whoever attends sees it and that's it we'll just write basically it so they oh my God. they played men's gymnastics and I don't even think it was their compete competition I think it was like the exhibition that they just like show off no like they have like come something like figure skating and gymnastics have like show off moves that like aren't really like allowed in competition oh my god that is so infuriating yes yes so that is where they were and didn't get any television for it basically and they're just like great thankfully like the stadium was sold out in Atlanta. It was like 76,000 fans watched the game. And so that was very pivotal for what happens in 1999. And it's also pivotal because people see Mia Hamm and Mia Hamm, you know, scored in the, in the Olympics is a beautiful woman and, you know, is considered the greatest female soccer player at that time, because she was the leading scorer in the entire world. They were all beautiful, by the way. Oh, they were stunning. And yeah. We will certainly talk about how that played into yeah. the success of what they're able to do. But also, Mia Hamm had 34 more goals than Pele at the end of her career. Like, that's wow. how freaking talented she is. That's insane. And when you think about, like, there not being any support or anything, and she's just that good. Yeah. And, and amazing. So... She starts doing all the commercials and I did send you a few of them. I thought that Nike commercial was spectacular. It was really good. I I was curious if I was just really unexpected. It was unexpected to me that they were so straightforward about the, it not being shown. So in this Nike commercial, uh, they're just talking about the greatest football player in the country has never been shown on national television and they're slowly panning out and talking about all the things that the U.S. has not seen this football player do. And then they show that it's yeah. me, Ham. And it is a really I love this impressive moment. From the start. Yeah, yeah. I, because I was like, in 1997, that is an impressively modern commercial. That's bold. Yeah. yeah. I, was, I was like, 1997 Nike. Wow. They were on it. Yeah. yeah. I, was, I was very impressed with that commercial. So. Yeah. We'll go into our 1999 Women's mm-hmm. World Cup planning. Basically, FIFA. So the U.S. had the Men's World Cup in 1994, and it did pretty well in terms of attendance and ratings. So they gave the 1999 Women's World Cup. But FIFA was like, we'll just play it in small 
arenas. So like they first pitched, like we'll do four, 4,500, 5,000 people stadiums. And they're like, nah, like the U S was like, no, that's not going to happen. So then they were like, we'll do an East coast, like middle, middle kind of like a, a Fenway. I mean, they wouldn't play in Fenway, but like that kind of size stadium, like middle grade stadiums. And is it that hard to find big stadiums? Like, I don't get it. They just didn't think that they would fill a really big. They stadium. were like, we don't want you to be insulted when it's empty. Like they were okay. just like, we don't think you, they didn't think they could sell it out. And so okay. thankfully like the Olympics happen and they sell out in Atlanta and they're like, well, we can, we can fill a stadium. There's this whole grassroots campaign that they build around um, the team and planning for it because the event costs like $30 million, which is a 10th of what it cost in 1994 to put up the men's world cup. And of course mm-hmm. their sponsors do not put any marketing campaign forward. Like they don't put much money in promoting this event. Okay. Any way that they did for the men's world cup. So it's yeah. just like already like, yes, it's on tier of the stadiums and stuff, but in terms of the spending that's going into it, it is, it is the most for a women's event at any time up to this point, but it is mm-hmm. no way, shape or form in any equivalency of the men. It's so like as they're we, expecting them to fill seats, but then they're not helping them fill the seats. One of the uh, people who was managing, her name was Marla Messig, and she came up with the whole grassroots campaign. And I certainly think this is how we found out about the team and understood the team because they basically put up clinics, they put up camps, and so many of the players went around the country to the clinics and the camps and just promoted soccer. And yeah. their main goal was obviously to sell tickets, but also to promote longevity in female athletics. And so, and this them. is what changed everything. Yes, 100%. 100%. So whoever that person is, thank you. You changed my life. You changed Carolyn's <laughs> life and a trillion other people. Yeah. <laughs> we met, I met Christine Lilly certainly at Parkway Youth Soccer. Yeah. And I met her two different times, one at my middle school, like a random athletics event. And then another time at like, maybe what was it? Like the breakers, like the, the breakers. Cause they were on, they were also on local teams, right? Like she well, the team time started. So that was post 1999. The league started okay. in 2000. Um, oh, gotcha. I, I met so many of them at many events because Rosa was like, we got things to do in the summer. Let's go meet all of the we got women. We got to go. Have a calendar. We got things to do. Like there was a Nike soccer event at, um, at the big store. And I'm not sure if it was before or after I'm probably, it was probably after. Cause there were so many people there, like a yeah. crowd that you're just like, it, it had to have happened ever because there were so many people. But- I think so. Cause I actually vaguely remember you telling me about it. And I think I was at the time, like scared of big crowds. So I didn't go. <laughs> You're just like, I love you, but I can't. I love you, but I can't. (laughs) The players themselves actively promote this and they actively go and not promote it. And there's a ton of media. And obviously Mia Hamm is a really big, important part of that because she was so popular in in the media. She was in Nike commercials. She was in Gatorade commercials with Michael Jordan, which is massive and huge and big time. Yeah, doesn't Um, get much bigger. Some of the players would say like, no autograph would go inside. They wanted to spend every moment they could with every single fan so that we felt connected, which obviously worked. We did. Because (laughs) here we are 21 years later talking (laughs) about how influential it was to be in their presence. 
Yeah, it was like meeting, I mean, especially when you're that young and you, you never have access to famous people when you're nine years old. But I have met like many of the players on that team and a few of them more than once. And when I say meet, like it wasn't necessarily like that for that long, but eye contact was made, words were exchanged autographs were exchanged and in the case of christine lily like we had full-blown i had a full-blown conversation yeah like what's your name like a lot of time yeah Yeah. exactly i mean to have such iconic people care and obviously to them it wasn't they weren't icons yet and they were just trying to promote a sport that they loved and make it have longevity but to us it was it worked (laughs) yeah they were like amazon queens i mean they were just so talented Oh, so amazing. <laughs> so obviously all of this works. By June 1999, they had sold 500,000 tickets across the country for these games. Wow. So it doubled the past record, which was by the NCAA Women's Basketball Tournament. Wow. So massive, massive. And I mean, obviously the NCAA Women's Basketball Tournament has more games. Um, yeah. So significant. So their first game is against Denmark at Giant Stadium. And they set the record for the most attendance at a female uh, sporting event with 78,972 people. Oh my God. And so there's the iconic video of them on the bus and they're traveling to the game and they're like, what's all this traffic? And Mm -hmm. they're slowly looking and they see, oh, I think I remember this, like yeah. the U.S. soccer signs, and like we love you, Mia Ham, oh, and all the painted faces. Chills. And Brittany Chess tape was like, we didn't even know. Like <laughs> we were looking at them; they were looking at us. We were excited. Yeah. They were, we were. Everyone was taking pictures of each other because they were so <gasps> excited. And um, oh my god, the coach said, like when they were warming up, a lot of them had tears in his eyes because <laughs> they were so excited about us being there, them being there. And, you know, one of the players talked about, you know, they needed us and, you know, we needed them. And this is whole kind of community experience of, you know, how important it was to them. So it was like, so touching, just like thinking about those players, like tearing up as they're about to warm up because they created that. I love to think of that. It's like an energy transfer. Like, I wonder if it made them play better, you know, or if it motivated them. I mean, I would hope and I think absolutely so of, you know, oh shit, we've done it. Now we've got to perform. Let's go. At yeah. the end of the day. So they had a lot of stories about like how much crazy press they were getting at that time. One I remember this- feeling like it was my responsibility to be like the best fan that I could be <laughs> to, <laughs> to support them. Like I, that was my nine-year-old job. My full-time job was supporting them. That was very that. important. It was very important. <laughs> I absolutely agree with that. There was someone who was just like running by the bus, like trying to catch up them, like running like blocks and blocks. And eventually they like hit a car. And so Brandy Chesney like oh, feels so bad and is like, he, they're going to die. So just chucks them a oh shoe my to like, God. you know, give them something in return for their energy. Cause they're just like throwing their heart and soul at them. Um, wow. And two of the like bench players said that they, uh, you know, decided to like go on a run after the game because they didn't play and they like couldn't, they could barely run and get there because people were like honking and screaming at them. And they're like, you know, this would never happen any other yeah. time. Yeah. And just like all celebrity. Of, 
yeah all of the crazy recognition of it um oh do you want to know who opened the ceremonies of the women's world cup yeah <laughs> this is so <laughs> 90s in sync and oh, bewitched wait that's amazing <laughs> like have you heard the word bewitched like it I oh my know. god unreal okay like, there we go like, oh. we're, we're getting there no more just like m and m so they held the record for the most fans uh at the women's world cup until 2015 wow. but 2015 had more games so yeah in terms of games per viewership they were rocking it obviously so many of like the 2011 2015 2019 players like this tournament was what made them want to be soccer players in a lot of ways just like us except they pan out and you know what (laughs) we still have time (laughs) we're gonna get there yeah you know i feel that way (laughs) um yeah so one of the games obviously we were at we're at the korea game because that was at foxborough where they won three zero yeah which Obviously, you came in your beautifully made shirt. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Can I can I tell everyone? Can I do? <laughs> I made I made a shirt, well, with a soccer ball on it that I drew that was wildly wildly inaccurate, but it, yeah, it was a soccer ball. And, I think I remember uh, it. Like the, the proportions were just like the proportions was, were just wrong. You like, should have used yeah. a ruler. <laughs> yeah, I should have used a ruler. Should have yeah, and then I very specifically brought a black permanent marker because I wanted all of them to sign my shirt in black so that it was all consistent with my soccer ball. And I I remember I actually made them after the game, we, 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 we like crowded to try to get their signatures. I made them and we're talking like big players, I made them who were like quickly my, signing, like quickly signing hundreds of stuff. I made them use my marker. So and you're like, I'd rather you not sign if you're going to use. Yeah. I was like, don't ruin the aesthetic of the shirt. Don't ruin the aesthetic. I have a vision. <laughs> and they, and they all did except one of them. And it actually might've been Christine Lily, like wasn't, wasn't, wasn't looking when she signed it. So she signed it in blue and all of them in the black at that point, And then and then I had a blue marker and then I was like, okay, I guess, I guess I'm an idiot. <laughs> you guys can all just sign it in whatever color you want. They obviously do really well in all of their games, except when they're in the quarterfinal against Germany, they start off the game with a own goal by Brandy Chastain. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, that was really unfortunate. Yeah, so yeah. Like, it was no good um yeah and I think it was Carla Overbeck who's also on defense like came up to her and was like we've got this like you've got to do your job and Brandy was like I'm so happy that she said that because I needed it and Carla was like inside I was so mad yeah for context it was because she was passing the ball to Brianna and yeah. and Brianna was kind of going the wrong way it wasn't and- a, yeah it wasn't a successful pass and it ended up going in the goal yeah so I remember being like, ah, yeah. So they get down and then they start evening it up and they managed to even it up like really close in time. And then Brandy Chastain comes in and scores that goal to make it, make it to that 
semifinal. <laughs> redemption, redemption, like totally her relief. Because imagine, imagine if they went out oh, in the quarterfinal. So 100%. Yeah. It's like, Woo. that would have been horrendous. Huh. Yeah. So they play uh, Brazil and they win 2 0. And it is like a stunning game by Brianna Scurry. Like she plays what she considers like one of her best games of all time. It just like save, 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 save. <laughs> Yeah, I was probably just passed out <laughs> from excitement. <laughs> I was probably blacked out. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, we were we were a lot of energy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we were we a were lot. We will probably end up going to our big moment. We we'll go into the game, and we'll mm-hmm. save that for the next episode. I want to find. I might have had a quote. Oh, I mean, I think it was crazy learning about just how little money they were making. Um, yeah, I mean, I almost direct a movie about this if one isn't in the works. Like I'm Well, they're I'm doing they're doing The Girls of Summer death. by Netflix. They're doing a whole series on it. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. Okay, good. And I will say need so this more, is where <laughs> this is where for the next episode you should watch 9 for 9. It's like an hour where Julie Foudy like always had a camera on her, so there's just like a lot of inside video of them at the world cup and it's just so joyful like it's such and i think one of the really big takeaways from this team was just like how happy they were to be there you know and i'll use this quote by me and him who said we're just a bunch of girls who love to play to be honest with you we enjoy the experience just as much as the fans watching and i think you saw that when we went out and played i was like oh we did and we, we did you. we love you mia love you so much but I yeah think- you felt that good energy i think everyone did they clearly had such a bond yeah and i just uh, that's what i'm worried about like with having someone make this and try to put hollywood stars in it it's just like i don't think a lot of women understand um the confidence of being a top athlete like what yeah. that ingrains in your body it would be hard to recreate that unless you were like truly an athlete. Yeah. Well, like, it's like, you look at how they just like walk and like hold themselves. Like they're not cocky women. They were very strong and confident. Yeah. Like there was no doubt. So like, especially when there was doubt about Brandy Chastain, like ripping her shirt off, it was just like, it didn't hit, like there was nothing personal to it. She's just like, I'm an athlete. Yeah. Yeah. I take my shirt off all the time because I'm hot. Yeah. (laughs) I remember I loved, I I always just wanted strong thighs because they all had strong thighs. And I was like, and and I just, that whole body type to me just represented strength and power and confidence. And it made me want to work harder so that I could be strong and confident, you know, it just, yeah, a complete embodiment. So I think those are always my worries of just like, can you get that joy and not try to get milk the drama out of you know thinking women always have to you know fight each other and and like certainly they they admit they have their fights and they have their moments on the field but you know the respect they had for each other and the caring they had for each other I think is evident that's my only worry is if you take it into Hollywood I think sometimes they want to like make it yeah and I think the thing that again I love so much is just like they just it was so much joy (laughs) And I just yeah. want joy. I need joy in Corona. I know okay? we need some joy. Yeah. <laughs> so watch, watch those clips because it's just like, it made me so happy, but I, I will say it. it was, it was very easy to research this because obviously it was like going home basically. 
Yeah, I remember I did a deep dive on this over the summer just because I missed it. And it was that same feeling. It was like, this is a whole world and a whole part of myself that, yeah, I just wanted to kind of check back in on and just, and also I was just curious about where everyone was now. I mean, I don't know, Mia Hamm's married to Nomar. Yeah, Cindy Parlo is uh, the U.S. soccer. Oh, yeah, yeah, that big news. And Um. then like... Julie Foudy is doing a lot of announcing and Brandy Chastain does a lot of announcing, right? Yeah. And Julie Foudy also did a lot of work during the Bush administrations to make sure title nine wasn't watered down and to like protect women's sports. Like she does a lot. That's amazing. Yeah. She's kind of the Billie Jean King of team sports. Like a lot yeah. of um, like the U S hockey team called her when they were trying to get a lot of their stuff through and trying to support them. Like she's very much at the forefront of pushing that forward I love pushing that. all the equal pay so she's a badass also Julie like if you watch some of the stuff like especially the nine per nine Julie Foudy is like the funniest person she would be my best oh, friend and I, I would like that. her to be my best friend <laughs> like Thanks. Julie Foudy if you are out there please if you're out there call us <laughs> please be my best friend <laughs> um yeah and I guess I'll end with this because I watched some of their um Hall of Fame um, induction speeches. Brianna Scurry's one is really great. And one of the things she talks about was she was watching the 1980 Olympics with Miracle on Ice. And she was watching and she turned to her parents. She's like, I'm going to be Olympian someday. I'm going to be one of them someday. And her parents were like, yep, let's make it happen. And she made herself a little, she did the math as a little like eight-year-old. It was like, what Olympics movie about her? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, like, seriously, like she needs one. So she did the math and she was like, I could get to the 1996 Olympics. (gasps) And she had a little sign and she made herself to do that same math when I was younger and didn't work out. So glad one of us, some of us make it, some of us don't. (laughs) That's how it goes. But now we're even more impressed. And so I think it was. Uh, again another affirmation for this podcast of there are so many athletes out there that have that moment that they were like that made me want to be an athlete so I guess we'll leave it at that in preparation for the moment the moment that you know changed us certainly yeah it really did and changed female athletics around the world it really did females in media I think there was a great change because of who they represented yeah it was historic I still get chills thinking about it really maybe that didn't even plan it we could really end it on that yeah I hope you enjoyed our first episode. We focused on the inequalities the U.S. women's soccer team faced leading up to the 1999 World Cup. Despite the event occurring 21 years ago, the U.S. women's soccer team is still facing a fight for equal pay. So make sure you support them and other women's sports, especially NCAA March Madness. The more we watch, the more they'll get. Our next episode will focus on the World Cup final and the impacts it made on ourselves and society. To learn more about our podcast or to stay up to date, Follow us at Still Get Chills on Instagram.